Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and on this episode, it's a gift for me to get to welcome none other than Rachel Timms. Full disclosure, writing this intro was perhaps one of the hardest ones to do because as you can imagine, there's lots I could say. But as you listen, I think you're going to be in for a real treat. Rachel is thoughtful and earnest in the best kind of way. She brings an earnestness that isn't naive, but is infectious and inspires me to want to love those around me better, which makes her, I think, a pretty great guest to have on any podcast. In light of all this, it's best, of course, that you hear her voice rather than mine. So here's Rachel reading Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts, and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Rachel, welcome to Curious Psalms. Thanks. It's quite an honor to be on this podcast. Well, it's an honor to have you. Shall we just go back and forth talking about how much of an honor it is? I don't think anyone would enjoy that. (laughs) This is actually, for listeners, they wouldn't be able to tell, but this is the first episode of Curious Psalms I've recorded in person. Wow. Every other episode has had to be recorded at a distance because you can't really speak into a microphone through a mask and have the audio be clean. So every other one has been on a video call, even if we're in the same building in different rooms and recorded separately. So this is a first for this podcast, which is kind of fun. It's great. Even in our kitchen living room space. (laughs) Yeah, not quite a studio, but here we are. And I trust the conversation will still be good. Well, thanks for reading Psalm 15 for us. As you said right before we came to this conversation, it's a short one, and you thanked me for that. I did. But there's still a lot here, I think, to explore and unpack. So you know what our questions are. Let's go ahead and begin with the first one. Rachel, what stood out to you in reading this psalm? I'm always surprised when you kind of segment out a specific psalm how it can be so fresh. I Hmm. have read the Psalms, I'm sure, numerous times throughout my life, but reading just one and these four, five short verses was pretty amazing. I think it's a really beautiful Psalm. What stood out to me was that it's a great way to live. Like, (laughs) (laughs) there's just not a lot. It's just like a a feel-good Psalm in that, like, Hmm. It's just trying to instruct you to live. And there's not really a lot of things I disagree with it about. This feels like a good thing to do. Do you expect to come to the Psalms with disagreement? <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Or maybe the Bible sometimes. That's honest, yeah. But this just, yeah, sometimes I'm struck by when I take a step back from my faith at how practical it is. Hmm. If I were to have no history with a church or any prior experience there. I mean, there are some strange and quirky, messy things that you have to deal with in a lot of the Bible, but then there's parts like this Psalm that I read and I'm like, wouldn't this make sense to anyone as a good way to live? Sure. So I think that 
struck me also struck me that none of us can live up to this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's a good inspiration. It's a good guidebook, I think. But it is also a very humbling thing about how much we need Jesus because otherwise, yeah, we would not dwell in his sacred tent. Right. Because I aspire to these things, but I can count numerous in these five verses that I didn't do today. Right. And I want to come back to that maybe later in our conversation because I think that's one of the gifts actually of this psalm. But as I was looking at it to drill in a little bit, I was struck by verse four. You know, you talk about looking for things or wondering about things that you might disagree with. I had to read verse four a couple of times. The person who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord. And I was like, well, hmm, how do I think about that? In previous episodes of this podcast, I've talked about how we grapple with the language about enemies and we've wrestled with, with a number of people who have been on the podcast but here i i think part of what's being depicted in verse four as i kind of read it and reread it and thought about it some more and did a little bit of reading is it's just very clear where this person stands they have no guile it's not that there is not nuance to what they think but when things become clear they are clear Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we can act as if everything is gray. <laughs> it's like we acknowledge that there is gray in the world and then suddenly the whole world is gray. And that's not actually the reality that we live in. And none of us when pressed, I think, would say that. But sure. just the fact that this person, the one whose walk is blameless, is the one who it's very clear where they stand. It's clear who their allegiance is to in this case. It's uh, really essentially to God and to those who fear him. And they're not shy about that. There's actually a boldness in it. That really stood out to me and maybe in part convicted me. But I, I yeah, I just found that an interesting piece. Because the other, it feels like the other traits in here kind of are almost obvious. Checkpoints, like you're saying, who would read that and think, oh, like. That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. But that distinction in verse four that's drawn is maybe one that might give us just a little bit of a pause. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I like what you said about the boldness of it. I think it is. It's a bold way to live. Like it. Yeah, I'll talk more about this maybe later, but it doesn't say that it's going to be easy. (laughs) Right. You know, which, you know, alludes to the mountain symbolism I think of like mountains are not easy to climb and if you want to be there with the Lord it's not easy but it is a bold well-marked path Hmm. to get up there let's keep talking about the psalm by looking a little bit at our second question what do we learn about God from this psalm I found it really interesting how relational the psalm is I think it tells us that God cares deeply about how we interact with others Hmm. Um, because almost all of these kind of I don't know what you want to bold bold inspirations bold guides they're kind of descriptions yeah yeah of someone who is right righteous yes but I found it interesting they're all about how we interact with other people you know who does what is righteous, who speaks the Hmm. truth from their heart, all that's impacting other people, utters no slander, does no wrong to their neighbor, 
you know, who keeps an oath, which is a like contractual thing, lends money to the poor without interest, also contractual. So I just think it tells us how much God cares about how we treat other people. That's such a good insight. That I did not notice that at all, how much these all relate to other people, which maybe tells you something about my relational acumen. This does maybe say a little bit about our relationship. <laughs> Let's, don't air that on the Curious Psalms podcast. <laughs> but you're so right. Yeah, almost all of these. And in fact, even in verse 2, the language around righteous, you know, we might tend to th- read righteous and think about sort of uh, moral purity but really righteousness was a very ethical relational word in the old testament where it's really about how you treat others not necessarily about sort of your individual holiness so all of this is about other people that's so interesting what a great observation thanks i mean yeah that is sometimes how i view the world and so it just was struck me that this was all about how God cares for these things, you know? It yeah. isn't it isn't all about our yeah, moral ethical like goodness on our own. It is about how we are in community. Yeah. Well, that's really beautifully said. My observation about what we learn about God is sort of almost a step before that. It's that we should do anything at all <laughs> that there is a moral imperative. I actually think that's a significant thing Mm -hmm. to say in our world i think both to people who maybe have no faith concept where it's sort of anything goes and the world in my life is purely about my pleasure but it's also i think something kind of radical to say to a certain branch of christianity i mean paul's railing against this i think in romans even but to people who sort of say well it's it's only grace so essentially what i do doesn't really matter or i come to jesus at the last moment and that's going to be Uh, all that's required and in some sense theologically there's truth to that right grace does cover us but you can't read this psalm and think that the way we live doesn't matter you know there's i i love dallas willard put it put it this way he said that grace is opposed to earning but it's not opposed to effort Mm. so sometimes you know we say like oh you don't have to do anything well, you can't read Psalm 15 and think that there aren't way, ways that we're supposed to be in relationship with one another or things that we're striving toward. So I think that's actually really a gift that Psalm 15 reminds us that, you know what, there is a kind of righteous relationship with one another mm-hmm. and the ways that the ways that we live matter to God. He's not just there thinking, oh, you guys do whatever you want and like, it's all good. I'll forgive it all at the end of the day. Uh, he cares. He's invested in our world and in the ways we live. And that's that's a significant thing. Yeah, like they're small things, you know? Like who does no wrong to a neighbor? To us, that can sometimes seem so trivial, how we treat our our neighbor, just the person who lives next door to us. Like that doesn't matter to God, but I think it's clear that all of it does. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I think one thing, another thing I appreciate is just the layers to this, right? No wrong to a neighbor encompasses so much. Yes. Right. It's it's everything in some sense in your relationship to them. Thanks, Rachel, again, for your really helpful framing of the psalm in terms of what we learn about God and his caring for our relationships. Let's move to our third question. How does this psalm help us to pray? As I said in the first question, 
it really brought me back to how much we need Jesus to kind of mm-hmm. be our stand-in for these things because, yeah, I do think we should make an effort toward these things because I think God cares about them and I think practically it would just make us better people in the world. The world would just be a better place if we were all followed these things. Yeah, totally. But we're probably not going to be perfect at it all the time. And so how much do we need Jesus to yeah, be that stand in for us and take, take this on because he is all these things when we can't be. I also think it helped me think about how, like, why wouldn't I follow these things if I genuinely believe, one, that God is instructing me to do them, and then two, again, on a practical level, that I think they're just beneficial, then why don't I do them all the time? <laughs> and so in my prayer life, to reflect on, you know, what is tempting me to not do these things? Hmm. We talked this past week in church about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and that's really stuck with me, this temptation thing. And so looking at these, you know, if I'm not going to keep my oath, even when it hurts, like, why why would I not do that? What is tempting me? What is pulling me away from that kind of call that God's asking us to follow? And I think those are things to pray about. Yeah. If I'm saying, yeah, I don't do these all the time, but I think I should. You know, this is Paul's like dilemma. Like I mm-hmm. do the things that I don't want to do. and Right. In Romans know. 7. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just a good thing to sit and pray and reflect on what's pulling me away from these things. Yeah. I, I echo that so much. I think this psalm, because the psalm doesn't read as a prayer. It reads almost like for those who are used to a catechism, it reads almost as as a catechism question and answer, actually, that is slightly addressed to God. So it's kind of fascinating in that respect. But I, yeah, to echo what you're saying and maybe offer kind of a formal structure, I think a lot of what you're talking about is what is sometimes called a kind of daily examine Mm. form of prayer. And for those who aren't familiar, the examine takes many different forms, but the basic idea is it's a time once a day that's reflective prayer where you invite the spirit to highlight your day and you kind of mentally walk through the day and identify. You can both identify moments of sin and brokenness that you experienced or engaged in, and then also moments of grace uh, where you encountered God as well. And I think this psalm could actually be a fascinating companion to an examined practice where, like you said, it gives you things to reflect on. You know, okay, as I thought about my day-to-day, was it blameless? And it's not, it's, the exam is not about beating ourselves up. It's about naming our reality and naming our honesty. And what you said so beautifully is it drives us to Jesus, right? Because actually the whole purpose is to drive us into an encounter with God's grace. But I, I think, you know, that's just maybe formalizing exactly what you said so well of, using this as a tool and i really liked what you said too about temptations and identifying okay if psalm 15 is not attractive to me (laughs) you know what what is the thing that is sort of pulling on my heart what are the desires that are walking within me and god how can you help illuminate those that's so well said yeah and i think what i find really kind about this Mm. 
is doing a practice like the examine is really exposing, you know, it's yeah. not easy to be vulnerable. No one wants to dig into those things, our sins, our brokenness. But at the end, like the final verse is whoever does these things will never be shaken. Uh, and I wrote in my notes for this, a place with the Lord is secure. You mm-hmm. know, there is safety to have this conversation with God and be vulnerable and, you know, admit where we fall short in these things because he's also promising that, you know, we won't be shaken and we get to dwell with him. There's some safety in digging into that. I think definitely some kindness that we could all use. (laughs) That is really a great final word, I think, from this psalm. It is literally the final words of the psalm, and it's a beautiful place to kind of land our conversation. Thanks, Rachel, so much for being willing to do this, for being my first in-person guest for this show, and for joining me for a conversation about Psalm 15. I love the insights and the eyes that you brought uh, to these words. Thanks, Matt. It's been great. Yeah. Well, at the end of our conversation, perhaps it's fitting to go back to the question that drives the whole psalm. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? Friends, go out and pray the psalms. Mm